Welcome, this is Josh Rees with Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. For more information about our church, please visit our website, milehighchurch.org. And so our Adventure of Faith theme, if you haven't been here, is Five Gates to Living Now. And today is Relevance. You are more than what bombards you. Take that in, right? So we are more than what bombards us. Uh, I really have resonated with this topic, not only because I think in the big picture, we're seeing that there's a lot of bombarding appearing to go on, a lot of bombardment of information, uh, a lot of challenges with the world is changing, and I think a lot of us are hoping that the world will return back to what we call normal, and so the gates that we might be peering through are gates where we're looking into situations and things and hoping that, that eventually that's going to get back to normal, and then eventually that's going to get back to normal. And, and then also this, this concern about the future, what's going to happen, how are things going to unfold around health and well-being and the pandemic and around politics and divisiveness and all sorts of things. And it's causing a very interesting energy, I think, in our culture right now. At least here in the U.S., I think I've seen evidence of it everywhere else too, uh, but that's mostly from social media and I'm not sure I can trust that. But I do know that in talking with a lot of people recently, it does feel like there's a lot of, of acting out going on, that we're just not as patient as we used to be. And it's kind of reminded me of uh, when I had a toddler, a uh, little guy, I noticed that he was a pretty patient guy most of the time, but there'd be times when he would get overwhelmed or too hungry or too tired, and then his patience was out the window. I could say, hey, can you just tie that shoe? No, I don't want to tie my shoe. And it'd be like, oh, okay, okay, I got it. And, and, and it feels to some degree like a lot of us adults are in our toddler mode right now. You didn't put that stopper in my Starbucks coffee! You know, why is it this way? And honking on the street and road rage and anger about little details. And it's like we're, we're kind of overwhelmed. We're a little tired, a little hungry for life to get back to normal maybe. And some of us are tempted, even the most spiritually aligned of us, <laughs> to act out at times, to be a little more rude, to complain a little more, to be a little more petty, to be just concerned because we just are caught up in this energy of, I want, it, I want it to be how it was before and I want the future to be different. I want it to be how it was before and I want the future to be different. And it can be very uncomfortable and very discombobulating and we don't quite know what's so. And so a huge part of the secret we're talking about today is that the, then that stuff becomes the relevant things. I mean, when the most relevant thing is that the barista didn't put your stopper in your cup, there's a problem. And we need to look at it. We need to say, is that really relevant? Is that really important in the grand scheme of things? What's going on that I'm having such a strong reaction to something that's just not really a big deal in the big picture? And then I'm sure some of us are having experiences like I've had recently where in the past 14 months, uh, our family, my, hus my wonderful husband Ken and I, we've experienced the loss of six people who've died in our lives. Three very close friends, not just people who are far out, passed away suddenly, very unexpectedly, and four family members 
both of my dad's and my sister, his uncle, just gone. And when it comes to some of the other stuff in our culture that we can, we can kind of correct ourselves and correct and say, okay, I'm going to get centered. I'm going to get in the moment. I'm going to calm myself down. I get it. And I have also felt uh, that we can see possibilities emerging for those things. But what I've been learning about death and grief this past 14 months is that I can't, I can't dwell in the past and hope that it'll walk through the gate of, I hope it'll be different because those people, they're gone from this earth plane. They've moved into a new experience. It's not going to change. My father isn't coming back. My sister isn't coming. They're not coming back to this life. And so I've had to find myself adjusting and feeling the grief of that without hopes that it will be different in the future. Or maybe someday they'll return. I, I, I know in the scheme of things, the spiritual scheme of things, I will be reunited with all those who've gone before me, as all of us will. I believe that fir firmly. I have faith in that. But I can't rely on the, the pleasures we sometimes get about ruminating about the past or imagining the possibilities in the future. All I can do and all grief is showing me is I can be right here and right now and just feel my feelings and feel the sadness and just be with it. And that can be very confrontive. And at the same time, I think it's part of the secret of this whole topic of being right here and right now, beginning to let go of our urgency for the, the, the normal to return because it probably won't. We're in a new normal. And it can be overwhelming and make us feel insecure. But if we can be with it as it is right now and walk forward from the power that lives within us into the future that is yet to unfold and be as conscious as and awake and present in that experience, we can co-create a new future. And need I say, it could even be better than the past. But it won't be if we're stuck. It won't be if we're trying to force it to be the way it was. It won't be if we're impatient and like toddlers stomping around hoping that people will do what we want them to do for us. It won't do that. It will only do that to the degree that we can walk forward and discover a deeper relevance and deal with that feeling we have that we're being bombarded all the time. So let's talk about that. Let's dig into that. When I have been moving through this, this topic, I have been affirming for myself exactly what it says. I am more than what bombards me. I am more than what bombards me. And I invite us to consider that as an affirmation today during this message, being here at Mile High Church. If anything feels like it's, it's overwhelming, I am more than what bombards me. And in the week ahead, and then I've been using questions to, to take myself through this topic and how I want to to approach it. So I offer the questions I've been asking myself and some of the answers I've come up with as an opportunity for us to explore this together. So the first question that I have for us is who chooses what is relevant to me? Who chooses? Now, relevancy, who chooses what is relevant to me is all about who chooses, I think, what is meaningful for me 
what is important for me, what matters for me. And when we have all this collective energy looking in all sorts of different directions, it can feel at times as though what's important to me gets lost in that collective energy. But it is important for us to remember that when it comes to what's important and what's relevant, we each get to walk through this path in a way that allows us to continue to stay in touch with and live from that which is relevant to us. What's relevant to me is to be a spiritual being who walks through this life and is as loving and kind and inspirational and uplifting as I can be at all times, even when it's hard, even when I don't get my way even when things are not going my way. So I have to remember and remind myself and return myself to my sense of relevance many times these days in my life. To remember that it's, it's a perspective. Relevance is always a perspective. And as we teach here, we get to choose our perspectives. We get to choose our thoughts. In this question and in this topic, one of the greatest challenges, especially right now, is it can feel as with all the bombardment of information and, and divisiveness and conversations and who's right and who's wrong and who's done what, it can feel as though that's what's relevant. But in that question even, what's relevant is my centeredness. What's relevant is my calmness. What's relevant is my using what's happening to deepen myself and shift my perspective. I heard a story recently that I thought was just really cute about perspective. Uh, a man in Budapest goes to his rabbi and tells the rabbi that he's just very uncomfortable in his life, that he lives in a one-room apartment with, and there are nine people living in the apartment together. And the man is going on to the rabbi about how horrible it is. So the rabbi says to him, well, I have an idea. I want you to bring your goat into the room. And the man protests and the rabbi says, no, bring the goat in for a week and then come back and see me. So a week later, the man comes back and the rabbi says, so how is it? And the man says, it's horrible. The goat's dirty and smelly and filthy. It's just horrible. And the rabbi says, I have an idea. Take the goat out of the room. And so the man goes home and he takes the goat out of the room and he comes back a week later and he's just glowing. And the rabbi says, now what's going on? And he says, oh, it's so much better. It's just, it's beautiful. It's just, it, the goat's gone and it's just the nine of us now. <laughs> A lot of times we are believing we're suffering from something and it's perspective. It's a shift. Right here, right now, as I shift my perspective, I lose sight of some of you and I gain sight of others. Everything is perspective. And our sense of relevance comes, I think, from our perspective. And who decides our perspective? We do. We do. The world is not dictating your perspective or mine. We are. Then the next question I ask myself in this topic is, what is actually bombarding me? What bombards me? And I found myself, of course, going to the usual suspects about uh, uh, 
the news and the pandemic and all that stuff outside of me. And yes, that's all going on out there in the world and that feels true. But then I also noticed as I talked to some other people who don't seem to be as impacted by some of the things that impact me and feel like bombardments to me, I realized that what if bombardment is in the eye of the beholder? That for some people, a loud ruckus concert's not bombarding. It's absolute beautiful music, right? But for others, it's bombardment. For some people, the news that's going on, if they're a news person or they're a person who writes articles for news, it's not bombardment. It's their job and they love it. And they eat it up and they want as much of it as they can get. For some people, uh, different experiences are uncomfortable because they feel bombarded. And so I realized that when I ask, okay, who is it that's really bombarding me and what is it? Is it really all that stuff out there or is it really my thought about all that stuff out there? What if it's really that? If bombardment is in the eye of the beholder, how can I behold that which I perceive is bombarding me in a different way? How can I see it differently? How can I be with it differently? And oh, by the way, I actually have control of how often I watch the news. Imagine that. I have control over what I listen to and whose perspective I align with and don't. I, and I don't have to be angry and frustrated about different perspectives. What if I can celebrate the many different ways that we see things and we see each other and just be present in the moment? And even when I'm bombarded with my own grief and sadness, what if I'm just with it and face it and look at it? Sometimes we spiritual people want to go to the high ground and get away from the stuff we don't like and the things we don't like and the people we don't like. But power might actually be in being right here and right now and looking at my own pain, at my sadness, at the state of things sometimes, my frustration. In fact, the great Mark Nepo says to us, no wall or avoidance or denial, no cause or excuse can keep the rawness of life from running through us. While this at times may seem devastating, it is actually reassuring because while the impermanence of life if fixed on can be terrifying, leaving us preoccupied with death, the very same impermanence, if allowed its infinite frame, can soothe us with the understanding that even the deepest pain will pass. So I can be with what's so and allow myself to experience it and allow myself to recognize that that bombardment is a perception that I can have, that I can again shift my perspective. So I've begun to ask, after asking those two questions, about relevance then. What is relevance? And instead of feeling the victim of everyone else's idea about what's relevant and beginning to claim my own sense of relevance in the now moment, then I've asked myself, how do I create intentional relevance? Conscious, intentional relevance for myself. 
And I came across a chapter in the book of Matthew. This chapter is verses 1 through 27. You'll find if you were to go and read it, many of the most practical and popular teachings of the master teacher Jesus come out of this particular chapter. But verses 13 and 14 are often not as well quoted. And they are relevant, I think, to us today. Because Jesus says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. What this says to me is that the wide gate of destruction is that wide gate where we're running around like our chicken with a head cut off, screaming and yelling and upset about the state of the world and getting caught up and being reactive and finding ourselves, I'm exhausted just doing all that right now, right? But the narrow gate that he says leads to life is the, is, can be harder. He's acknowledging that. And those who find it are few. And I intend to be one of those people who finds it. And I'm inviting you to join me in that too. Intentional relevance. Walking into that narrow gate within us that allows us to see from a different perspective. And so how do we practice intentional relevance? I have some ideas. First of all, I think we have to manage our daily energy. We have to become people who are consciously practicing even during a pandemic, even when we're grieving, even when life gets hard, even when there's a challenge, even when we see a lot of suffering going on, even, 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 that we are people who consciously choose to manage our daily energy. We talk a lot, and I talk a lot here, about spiritual practice, about meditation. I also think it helps to pay attention. When I challenge myself about the news, I'll say to myself, did I pray and meditate and read as much spiritual content as I took in about the state of the world in the news today? Or more maybe, did I allow myself to have more time in spiritual contemplation versus world contemplation? And that's part of how I have to manage my energy because I notice that when it gets lopsided, towards the world of form, that's when I get toddler-like and cranky and upset and frustrated. And that's when the relevance is how the world is falling apart. But when I have that other balance, I am more centered and calm and can be with the challenges of the day in a more graceful way. It's not like I avoid them. I can be with them in a more grace-filled, conscious way. And then I don't turn my head away from my problems. I don't try to push them away. Which leads to the second one, which I think is be a a force instead of forcing. When I'm wanting the world of form to move in the direction I want it to move, I'm tempted to be forcing things. Versus when I am in the now moment, which is the most powerful place I can be, which teachers throughout the ages have told us the now moment is the most powerful place you can be. Even Yoda told Luke that in Star Wars, for gosh sakes, right? He made fun of him, you know, your your head is always in the horizon, never paying attention to where you are, is what Yoda said to him. 
So we can stand in the now moment and be a force for good in every situation. One of the things that I think is so important, especially right now, is, is what I said earlier about we spiritual people tend to want to pray ourselves up and out of things. I don't want to see this anymore. I don't want this negativity anymore. I don't want this pain anymore. And it's not that we want to cling to those things. But to me, when I'm in my most centered place and able to stand in the now, I think that we have an opportunity to transform our world together. But it's not going to come by us pretending we don't see it and looking away from it. How's it going to happen? By spiritually attuned people saying what's happening is relevant right now and what's relevant is that I bring my spiritual consciousness of oneness and I look right at it. And I know that even in the midst of that, God is present. And I know even in the midst of that challenge or that person I don't like or that political party I don't like or that decision that was made in this country or that, I know that even in the midst of that, I'm going to stand to the truth of the presence of God, though my eyes cannot necessarily see it. See, the wide gate that Jesus was talking about of destruction is, it's all horrible, it's falling apart, we should be afraid. That's the wide gate of destruction. The narrow gate is to stand in the presence of it. When I'm in that centered place, well, I don't know who that was, but I'm in my centered place. (laughs) I can truly see the truth and be a force for good. Sometimes I can't. Sometimes it's harder, and I have to acknowledge that. And the days where it's good, then the news and what I see, the stories and the people and the things that happen, they become my prayer list for the day. The news isn't to inflame me or to upset me or to scare me. It's to inform me and to help me see where I'm sending my prayers today. That's what it's for in my centered space. When I can't be centered in that, that might be a day I skip it, that I don't watch it. If I'm caught up in my grief, in my own sadness, in my own energy, I have to be present to myself. This is part of being a force and not forcing. The next one is follow your magic. On one of those days a while back where I was really struggling with my sadness, I was really having a hard time getting centered. I was really, really not sure if I could ever transcend my sadness. I started having thoughts about, what if I'm like this the rest of my life kind of feeling? And what if I can't ever feel happy again or well again? And then I started getting afraid because I felt like the only way I can articulate it is I felt like, what if I'm losing my magic? I've always been kind of a magical creature, dressed like a unicorn yesterday at the trunk retreat, you know. I, I've always felt like I was a natural optimist and could see the good side of everything and everyone and could always feel that life is going to work out. It's going to work out. I just know it is. But I was starting to feel the opposite, and I hadn't felt that way before. And I began to ask, how can I reconnect? And I suddenly had an image of myself in middle school, 
when my parents were going through a divorce and I was struggling with all sorts of issues and I would routinely go down into my mother's bedroom and she had a stereo there with earphones and I would put the stereo earphones on and I would play Fleetwood Mac as loud as I could and then I would sing into the house. I'm sure my brother and sister were tortured by this. And I would sing Fleetwood Mac and the Eagles and all my favorite artists and I would just sing, 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 sing and then I'd feel better. And when that image came, I thought, well, that's my meditation for today. So poor Ken, I put my earphones on and I sang Laura Berman songs and I sang Karen Drucker songs and I sang Michael Gott songs as loudly as I could, even though I was feeling sad. And I sang sad songs too to honor my sadness that day. And when I was done, I could feel the magic again. I could feel myself again. Follow your magic. If you're feeling that sense of, I don't know what's important or relevant, I can't find my meaning today, listen, what, 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 what do I need to do today to re-engage that? And everyone's magic is different. And lastly, bubble up. My son, Jesse, is a, a classic uh, feeler, of, he's an empath, he feels not only his feelings, but everyone else's feelings around him. I'm going to guess there's one or two of you in the room along with my son, right? And I know that part of the issue is whether or not you identify yourself as an empath, the reality, the spiritual truth is that we're all connected. At any moment, we could all take a moment and get quiet and possibly even feel the angst of some other being clear on the other side of the planet if we really wanted to because we're connected. And sometimes that relevant connection can impede our path and can cause us to feel so disconnected and discouraged and can feel as though it's bombarding us almost. Or the person you're sitting next to right here in the room, maybe you can feel their energy is sad today or they're, they're struggling. And so it's not only our own stuff we're feeling, it's everybody else's at times too. And the wide range of experience going on on the planet. And on the days when I'm not as strong as I'd like to be, or I just feel like I need a little break, I will bubble up. And I used to tell my son, okay, here's what we're going to do. I want you to imagine an invisible bubble around you. And you can see out the bubble. And good feelings and warm feelings and light and love can come through as you go through your day and encounter the things and the people that you encounter. But it's all your energy today. Just allow yourself to bask in your field of energy today. And so we would constantly invite him when he was overwhelmed to bubble up. And we adults can do that too, especially right now. We can bubble up. It's not looking away from the world because I think the bubble needs to be invisible so I can still look right at what is in front of me and see what's there, but that I can have a day or a few days or a week where I'm just centered in myself and I can see that what, that which comes through is only the good and the love because there's so much out there. And it helps me then to be choosing my own relevance to walk forward and be intentional in it and continue to live my life in grace and love. There's a wonderful woman named L.R. Nost. She's an award-winning author of many uh, wonderful children's, she calls it gentle parenting books. 
and founder and director of the Children's Right Advocacy and Family Consulting Group, Little Hearts, Gentle Parenting Resources, and she's the editor-in-chief of Holistic Parenting Magazine. And I'd like to close with a quote from her as we go forth and recognize that we are more than what bombards us. For she tells us, do not be dismayed by the brokenness of the world. All things break and all things can be mended. Not with time, as they say, but with intention. So go, love intentionally, extravagantly, unconditionally. The broken world waits in darkness for the light that is you. Let us pray. We take to go within to joyfully step into the light that is our very beingness. And we feel the space that is right here, right now. Choosing to recognize that what we're being bombarded with is the love, the life, the light, the abundance that God is this presence that is everywhere. <laughs> wow. Co-ministers. It works. Let's try this one. Oh, nope. This one's not good either. Is the abundance that lives in us, as us, and through us. That is what bombards us, supports us, uplifts us, assures us that this now moment is blessed and that we are a blessing as we go forth in every moment that is to come and stand in the relevancy of the truth of who we are and bringing that truth to everything and everyone, to every relationship, to every activity, to everything we are about today and every day. That light is who and what we are. We claim it, we own it, we are it. And so from this place, we give thanks for it and allow ourselves to sink into it with great joy and choose to be that blessed being as we go forth. I'm so grateful that this is the truth of us now as I release this prayer into the action of that law that makes it so. As we let it go and let it be, we say together, and so it is. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Mile High Church podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. To make a donation, please visit milehighchurch.org.